Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing podcast. I'm your host, Bob St. Pierre, and I am uh, really pleased to be joined by three friends today for a conversation that um, I, I kind of have a little trouble naming the title of this conversation because, you know, it, it could be the Adult Onset Hunter podcast but that will offend some. It could be the new Hunter podcast. That might be troublesome for others. So we're just going to call this the I'm a Hunter podcast. But what we're, what we're doing is we're going to have a conversation with three really good friends. A couple of them are employees with Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. Um, and, and then a good friend of mine uh, personally, but then also a good friend of the organization has showed up in print a number of times. Um, they're all relatively new bird hunters, so we're going to explore that R3 initiative that exists within our organization, and if you're not familiar with R3, it's Retain, Reactivate, and Recruit, and I said I'm in different orders, but that's okay, it's still three R's, <laughs> Recruit, Retain, and Reactivate, um, and, and how important that is to the future of conservation. So without belaboring the introduction any further, we'll go to the, uh, the non-Pheasants Forever employee in the group, my very good friend, Julia Schrenkler. Thank you for joining us. I'm very glad to be here. Seriously, this is fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm try I can't believe it's taken a year of doing podcasts to get you on the podcast, but you are finally here, mm -hmm. and we're going to have a conversation about Wren. Well, obviously. It is the <laughs> is, uh, Julia's absolutely terrific German short-haired pointer. And, uh, a go big, on, it, go it, on. It, 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 my dogs love Ren too. There we it, go. Like family. And, um, uh, we'll talk a lot about Ren because Ren is a big component of, uh, how you got involved, mm -hmm. but we'll get to that in a second. Marissa Jensen, uh, our brand, what, what's your brand new title? Education and Outreach Program Manager. That's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. <I got> right. <laughs> um, Marissa's from Nebraska, has been working for the organization uh, a little over a year and a half, uh, working on all sorts of terrific things, communication, social media in the state of Nebraska, and has got a well-deserved promotion to a really, really critical new initiative uh, that we're working on, and you'll talk about that in a moment, but welcome to On the Wing, Marissa. Thank you, Bob. I'm excited. And, and rounding out our group is the uh, is Eric Sterner from our grants department. He hails from Cheeseland yep. originally. Yeah, you'll hear that through the podcast <laughs> at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. And uh, as we're recording this, he's celebrating a Green Bay Packers season opening victory. Best record in the NFL <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's <it. laughs> You're very quick with this. You might have a future podcast. You <laughs> All right. So so that rounds out our crew. Um, so I do want to talk just a little bit. Um, I, in every podcast, we do introductions of who are the who the participants are because it obviously really grounds folks in knowing where people come from and who they are and their motivations. So, Julia, you know, folks maybe have read articles about you in the Pheasants Forever Journal. I want to say it was the fall issue last year, mm -hmm. fall of 2018. There was an article, and it, Marissa, you were actually featured in that article as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was an article about 
uh, newer hunters and kind of how they got involved. But tell us, tell us who you are, what you do for a living, kind of your your background. Well, technically, I'm just Ren's mom. I've <laughs> actually been um, recognized as Ren's mom at Pheasants Forever events, which is an incredible compliment <laughs> because she's quite the dog. Uh, but in my day job, I'm the senior digital producer for Minnesota Public Radio and American Public Media. And you do an awesome job at that, well, too. Well, thank you. And it's not even my you know annual review time. Where, <laughs> were, you, where were you a couple months ago? My boss needs to hear that. I might get that clip. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I do digital work, which means I have a very indoors life. Mm. Um, but that's not where my spirit lives. And thanks to hunting... That's expanded how I get outside, um, and I wouldn't have done it without Ren. Let's be honest. I've that story is sort of well known, possibly well known, but um, I literally followed my dog outdoors before Ren. I never hunted. I hadn't picked up a gun in three decades. Mm. Not to tip my uh, hat to my age, but she she had the natural talent and. Um, we boarded her with Steve Waller uh, while we were on a trip, and he's a trainer out in Oregon, and he showed me what she could do and literally said it would be a shame not to hunt that dog. Hmm. And I thought, hey, why not, right? Yeah. You know, like, I'll give it a shot. And um, and it was a poor shot. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a very good shot. But, uh, yeah, it, it opened up a world for me. Yeah, because you had had bird dogs before Ren. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. at least you had, you had yeah. bird dog breeds, mm-hmm. right? You had right. Weimaraners for mm-hmm. a number of years. Yeah. Um, but you got, if I recall correctly, was was Ren a puppy when you got Ren, or was Ren a herald? Ren was a puppy. Okay. Puppy, puppy. But I met her at three weeks old. Okay. And we picked her up at seven weeks. Wow. Um, just from a family. I didn't have a, a bloodline or anything like that. You know when you talk to people and they're like, what bloodline is your dog from? And I'm like, she's from the backyard in Baldwin, Wisconsin. Yeah, <laughs> over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yawn over there. Ex- throw the throw the elbow up. Um, but uh, yeah, she was a puppy, and so and I didn't know what it looked like. And then at four months, five months, all of a sudden she started pointing at everything. Hmm. And if you don't know what that looks like. It's a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is my dog doing? What was the first thing she pointed? Uh, it was probably a chickadee. It was yeah. an urban bird. My um, f- my first short hair's first point <laughs> at eight weeks was a five-year-old boy on the side of a road. <laughs> <laughs> Got out of a minivan. I swear to God, my trammel, my boom, locked, locked up, up on point. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> hey, kid. Like yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does she still point the <laughs> humans? Yeah, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he smelled good. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, it was it was a real trip um to do that and experience that. And um and now actually when I try to introduce people to hunting, I really try to just show them what Ren can do because that's the magic. Yeah. Right? They yeah. they might not have the connection, they might not have the relationship to the dog, but that's the magic. And once you see it, can't forget it. 
So it, just to go over that a little mm-hmm. bit, you you're living in Minnesota and mm-hmm. you drive out to Oregon mm-hmm. to board rent on your way to Alaska. Yeah, that's right. And then you come back from Alaska and the trainer's like, you've got a heck of a bird dog yep. and you're scratching your head. I do. <laughs> right. It was it was actually a shock because he was like, I'll show you what she's accomplished in the last seven weeks. And he took us out to a field and put her on a pigeon and she brought it back. And I thought, what is this? Right. Like we were traveling Alaska, fishing, hiking, the whole thing. And but ultimately, I'm a city girl. So, you know, her bringing back a bird and looking super excited and jacked up about it. I was like, oh, what's this? Wow. What's this? My very first experience with it. So huh. that was cool. It, so you see this happen and the trainer says it's going to be it's a mm-hmm. sin if yeah, you don't basically so what goes through your head like some people would just say well i love my dog and mm-hmm. my dog can run and can point but i don't need to hunt what in your mind said well that might be interesting i, I you know what i honestly couldn't tell you what i was thinking at yeah. any given point in time, huh. I just thought, all right, sure, I'll give it a shot. And um, at, But I did want to do it safely, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I think, yep, I'm seeing nods around the circle here. Um, so I took a I took a gun safety, firearm safety at the Minneapolis VFW in Uptown, and um, me and two other adults and so a bunch of 12-year-olds. <laughs> that was a lot of yeah. fun trying to fit into those chairs. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, so mm-hmm. it tells you, um, you sh- sin mm-hmm. not to hunt. You get home. How quickly did you decide, I'm going to sign up for gun hunter safety? Mm, it was it was pretty close. So that was the end, that was m- mid-July. Huh. And I signed up, I, th- I think, I, even on the way home, I think when I had a signal. I was like, well, let's check it out. Um, And I did it full well knowing that I could get out there and just hate it. Yeah. Or um, in full confession, I was actually kind of worried I'd become a vegan. Like I thought, you you know, we're distanced. We sublet all that, you know, all of our food intake. And I was very far from that food experience. And uh, I had a moment where I was like, what if I get out there and I think... Oh no! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> buy bacon. You know, like, <laughs> I did not want to do that at okay. all. I didn't want to do that at all. But um, and that was something that nobody prepared me for. Was um, actually the first bird. Ren's first bird was my first bird, and uh, nobody prepared me for the reverence. Huh. And um, that's that was the ex- for, that for was the, the reverence f- of taking something's life yep. in your own hands. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Holding that bird, I. I remember that more clearly than I remember large swaths of my life. Like that really? was that was a a real moment, and um, and I've gotten to witness that moment on other adult onset hunters, and that's almost that's almost better than a tailgate. Yeah. A- and as um, somebody that's hunted ch- kind of since childhood, mm-hmm. I feel like you never really lose that reference. No. you know, it might be really crystalline, crystalline mm-hmm. clear mm-hmm. that first time. But, I mean, we've hunted together mm-hmm. a lot in the last four years. And, you know, I can witness it on your face every time, yeah. you know, a woodcock is in your hand or, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i holding a rough grouse or a pheasant. Mm-hmm. You know, I, f- I feel the same thing. And that probably was a surprise to some extent seeing that 
in longtime hunters' faces and be like, oh, I, they get it. Yeah, and that's something that when we talk about retaining or reactivating, I, I sometimes think that's the missing hmm. magical point. Like people, f- they don't forget, but if they don't re-experience it, they don't remember in the mm-hmm. same way. I don't, I, there's no other way to put it. And it's, it's something that non-hunters need to see as well. Because it really, the respect, that was, I'd never expected to see as much respect. Yeah. You know, because I grew up with deer hunters, and it was basically a beer weekend in yeah. the woods. We, call, we called it beer beer hunting yeah. um, growing up. Oh, you're going beer hunting. Have a good time. You know? <laughs> 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 that was a very northern Minnesotan accent <laughs> for us, too. <laughs> I'll with the buffalo plat, yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I was intending to go through introductions and like mm-hmm. the host. So it, you know, it is so fascinating to hear people's journeys and, and mm-hmm. dive into that. So yeah. we'll come back and dive in a little deeper. Uh, but we'll move to to Marissa, uh, and, and you had a similar, as I know it, and I'll let you tell it. But I think sure. a dog was part of your recipe too. It was. It was part of the component, and uh, it was great story julia and i'm sitting here thinking the whole time when we're going to get to go hunting together yes <laughs> yes so, that's the um, whole point of showing up here absolutely. right absolutely <laughs> i think a lot of your story just really resonates with me as well and i, I think that that's going to be a similar theme um you know i grew up and, and still live in omaha nebraska which is the largest city in nebraska um, and was not exposed to hunting in the traditional sense i have you know extended family that hunts but my parents don't um didn't have any interest in it I was actually pretty against it for most of my life. Um, I just was a diehard animal lover, and um, I ate meat, mm-hmm. so there were certainly no qualms there. Right. <laughs> but was very, very disconnected from that process. And um, for whatever reason, uh, you know, around 30 years of age, I kind of woke up and thought, well, hey, I love meat. I'm not going to give up meat, and this is a really cool way for me to harvest my own food, know where it comes from, um, you know, provide some food for the family and just experience some really incredible time outdoors in the process. Hmm. Um, I've always been really into outdoor activities, uh, so it was kind of an easy branch, um, you know, hiking, camping, you mm-hmm. name it, I enjoyed it. Um, and I think that that is, is definitely kept me really engaged, um, specifically with upland hunting and, uh, just that time in the outdoors, but the dog was the big component to upland hunting. Um, you know, I was, I was really scared of shotguns as well. I had one hmm. time shooting a shotgun in college that, uh, didn't go very <laughs> well. Um, uh, you know, nothing bad. I just was scared of it. And, um, so I decided I'd be a bow hunter. I could do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wanted to explore turkey hunting. And I've always, like, I spent 10 years as a veterinary technician and did some dog training in uh, different avenues before. And so had that connection there. And it was actually my, my cousin who has been just a great advocate and mentor for me through this process. Um, I remember the specific moment when he said, you love hiking, you love training dogs, upland hunting is for you. Hmm. And it's just, that's that's been that pivotal moment that, has literally changed my life. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, 
It's and, exciting. And, and you've always been an angler, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've always been an angler. Um, you know, both my, my parents are, are big anglers as well. Huh. Um, I've always enjoyed that. Now I, I talk about it quite a bit, but um, I really enjoy tying flies with my bird feathers mm, um, cool. after I hunt. That's kind of a cool way to bring things full circle, yeah. and I enjoy that. Did, Marissa and Julia, did either of you grow up in families where uh, – you know, moms, dads were hunting. Did they, they you mentioned deer camp. Did, was that mom or dad going to deer camp or is that just sort of extended relative? It was uncles for me. Mm-hmm. It was like the uncle, uncle party. <laughs> and I've seen photos from yeah. them and they were, it was a party. Okay. I mean, it was I, absolutely yeah, an yeah, uncle party. Yeah. yeah, it was yep. the uncle Nailed party. But, um, <laughs> kind of jealous of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was not invited. No. <laughs> We need, no, so. <laughs> we need to have our own. We need to have our own. That's a camp. weird name for a porn. The <laughs> uncle party. <laughs> you could say that on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> looking over my shoulder for the FCC. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what though? I didn't catch. I didn't catch information about your dog. And not to be insane about dogs. Nope, you'll love, love it. Yep. So she's a German short hair pointer. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We definitely need yep. to get them out. Hopefully, you've got one too, or you're the odd one out there. <laughs> Oh. Poor Eric. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be in the market for a puppy here soon, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> well, there we go. So she just turned five, um, and I got her – this will be our third season in the cool. field together. Um, so I was her second owner, and the first one just didn't work out, thankfully, for me. Mm-hmm. And um, she's a great dog. You know, first year was awesome, perfect, wonderful. Second year, she decided, uh, I'm going to test this a little bit and see what I can get away with. Mm. So now we're, I think, in sync. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year was a big one for us, too, where we we changed and tried some different species. We started doing prairie grouse hunting, um, waterfowl hunting, and so I got to kind of help train her to do some different species, too, which I really enjoyed, so... Cool. We. Yeah. I need tips. I need tips on the water. <laughs> I'll try to give you some. <laughs> Eric, it is your turn, and yeah. you 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 are the odd man out, not odd. having a short hair, but you do have a bird dog. I do have a bird dog, but my uh, yeah. I'll see how many times I can get you to look at me like, what? What are you talking <laughs> about? How many stories? I have a bird dog, a Brittany. Yeah. Um, he is. Well, let me do the math here. I do this every time. He's about eleven. Okay. Um, I do work for pheasants forever and I came here with a bird dog that I've never hunted over. Hmm. Still haven't hunted over. Look at these faces. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I told you I got a weird story. Um, so I guess I started out hunting like a lot of people in Wisconsin, whitetail hunting. Mm -hmm. So that's where I kind of started out at. Um, not until college. So I didn't start when I was younger. Uh, my dad and extended family did hunt. I have a lot of uncles that hunted, but um, before I was old enough to get to that point in life, um, my dad had an accident with his trigger finger. He's got this really neat trick. You can't see it on the podcast viewing ship, but when he bends his finger down, his pointer finger kind of hooks around the corner because hmm. he almost got it off with a saw. Ooh. Ooh yeah. Okay. So going out in the woods and sitting out in the woods was not enjoyable for him at, after that point. So. I can remember a deer or two in the garage, you know, and that sure. sort mm-hmm. of experience. And um, I remember in middle school, all the kids my age getting, you know, excited to go deer hunting and thinking, I want to be part of that, but not having hunter safety or things like that at the time. You, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's excited the couple days leading up to it. Well, that's not enough time to really get into it. Um, so as always, you know, next year, and then you forget about it, you know, as a 
12 year old kid you got a whole lot of other things to think right. about over the next right. 12 months you know it's really busy life at that point so and then next year we come and be like oh i should have done that well i guess maybe next year yeah then you get to high school and just didn't really get into it until i moved away to college and then at some point i was like you know i just wanted to do it hmm. wasn't anybody asking me if i wanted to do it i was like i want to do it my my dad was like well why don't you talk to your uncle he'll you know get you set up and at that point i was going to college in lacrosse and um had access to a vehicle so I could get up to his place. So he's like, well, yeah, you can come hunt up here and I'll, you know, here's a place where you can go through hunter safety and kind of like mm-hmm. Julia, I got there and it's a bunch of 12 year olds. <laughs> <like> you'd <laughs> expect. And a few dads, there were a few mm-hmm. dads there that were taking the course with their kids so that they mm-hmm. could go out West or, you know, they, yeah. if they wanted to go out and do some of that, I think was their motivation, but definitely the only one of my age group in the, in the. Is that class. true universally that when you went through hunter safety, you were kind of, um, Lone Rangers in your age group? So we have um, an online version as well. Actually, mm. oh, okay. um, at my age, you weren't even required to take it. Okay. Apparently, we're mm. too old and <laughs> <laughs> we know it all. Huh. Um, but I absolutely still took it. I just was not going to do it without taking it. No. Um, so that's kind of the process that I went through huh. with that. Tipping the, the hat to the age thing when I went through it they did not offer online. <laughs> they <Okay>. do now. <laughs> Wisconsin does have an online program for um, I don't know what age that you're mm-hmm. eligible for it at. I don't remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I believe you do have to be an adult to take mm-hmm. the online course, okay. but I'm yep. not positive. And there's still a field component with it, too. But mm-hmm. Right. Minnesota's the same way. You can, As an adult, you can take a, an online course, and then there's a field day. And, yeah. and they're, they're at the various sort of... Yeah, I think you take the online mm-hmm. course and then mm-hmm. field certification, and then yeah. you're good to go. Yeah, I, I did want to take a class. Um yeah in person because um guns yep, right absolutely. like mm-hmm. so and <clears throat> i i take that very seriously but there were a few adults in my class mm. um and the best part is if i r- recall correctly two of them were women who were slightly younger than me mm. and then there was a guy who was trying to he needed it to hunt some in another mm-hmm. state gotcha. yep. and he looked so poor <laughs> heard uh-huh. <laughs> the entire time <laughs> but um the other the older women and i were we kind of sat together uncomfortably and and then we'd always we were the ones raising our hands when the kids wouldn't respond because we gotcha. were like gotta let's keep it moving <laughs> kids <laughs> keep, her keep, moving. keep it moving <laughs> well i didn't mean to cut you out oh, no, that's go right. ahead with your story I'll, we'll get back to it so yeah <laughs> the hunter safety and then uh, just started out whitetail hunting and did that for a while and then started bo- transitioning to bow hunting and then you know long story down the road i was like you know got this new job at pheasants forever i start on monday i should probably try upland hunting <laughs> so i have a good buddy who took me out the sunday before grouse hunting He's the like, sunday and you started on a monday, monday. <laughs> <laughs> so here i'm letting all my secrets out <laughs> hopefully all those decisions that they made during the interview. No, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a hunter. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I, that was my first time out uh, upland hunting. Well, if you take out turkeys, sure. but mm-hmm. um, went out with a buddy of mine and got on some grouse. So that was good. Nice. One shot, one grouse. And I told him, "Wow, hey, this, this stuff does not seem that hard at all." No. <laughs> And the only time it's ever been said about rough grouse. Yep. Probably I should have just stayed right there. But of course, yeah, I'm done. I'm retiring. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that was kind of the the, uh, oddities of my experiences coming to Pheasants Forever about two years ago now. 
um, never have upland hunted, getting my exposure here, <laughs> and then having coming here with like a 10-year-old Brittany that's yeah. been thinking the same thing for 10 years. Dad, yeah. when are we going to get yeah. out there? Mm-hmm. Come on, let's do this. And explain, uh, just so folks know, um, what you do at Pheasants Forever. So I'm a grant and contract specialist, mm-hmm. as exciting as that sounds. I work in the uh, public or in the grants department, part of the public finance group in Pheasants Forever. So work with a lot of our um, partnering agencies like NRCS, um, a lot of the state DNR, things like that, when we're getting our contracts to support some of the initiatives and the programs that we're doing. Um, it comes to our department to just kind of execute those and then make sure we're meeting all of our deliverables and that everything's copacetic. So all of our partners mm-hmm. enjoy doing business with us and want to come back and keep doing whatever it is we're doing, whether it's creating more habitat, um, you know, supporting our farm bill biologists, um, you know, like we have mm-hmm. some agreements that might support Marissa, some of the initiatives that Marissa is going to be working on, things right. like that, you know, kind of trying to maintain that, make sure that we um, stay in good standings. Yeah. So. And, and Marissa, you talked a little bit about your title, but you have a brand new role in the organization. So right. why don't you explain what, what that's going to be a little bit? Yeah. So um, my position has a, a couple different components um, to it. And one of them is the National Youth Leadership Council working with high school students. We have um, 20 currently across the country um, just helping to elevate them as conservation leaders. Um, and then more recently is a new initiative that we're working on that we're really excited about I'm really excited about um, just to be a part of it from kind of the beginning and and really help develop this is the women on the wing initiative yes uh, (laughs) oh was that out loud yes (laughs) Um, and so you know it's it's just it's really exciting women are growing Um, you know Mm -hmm. obviously in in the hunting industry it's the fastest growing demographic Mm -hmm. and um, creating an initiative that provides some some social support some direction to keep them in the fields mm-hmm. um, and keep growing that that audience. Um, I think it's going to be really important, really impactful, and um, I'm excited, very, very excited about it. You guys are working on the future. I mean, like, just flat out working on the future. Yeah, yep. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's very exciting. Everything from, you know, there is a surge in the number of women that want to get involved, but even I, I'm looking at Marissa wearing a brand-new Browning women's – hunting shirt yes. right and we've talked about but we talked about it in uh, I think the second podcast with Tina Dockin about the really the void of hunting clothing mm-hmm. and then w- we talked a little bit later at the shot show podcast with Browning about hey we got some stuff coming and here we are now on the precipice of uh, hunting season and you know, it, it's not a ton of stuff, but there's some new stuff coming. We've got Browning. I think there's two shooting shirts. Um, there's some women's pants, which you adore. I do. Which they fit perfect. What? So. Wait. <laughs> Stop <laughs> the press. Stop <laughs> the podcast. We've got to talk about pants yes. for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> do, do they really fit? They do, the and they're very and the nice brown color. Yeah, uh-huh. the waist is the hard part, and I'm very mm-hmm. tall. Um, long legs and so mm-hmm. they fit in the leg too which is really difficult for uh, me to find so I'm uh, I'm excited to try in, in some really thick cover you know right. Um, right now it's it's grouse season in Nebraska so I'm waiting really excited for pheasant and quail <laughs> to just test them out and put them to good work I'm gonna follow your pants podcast <laughs> like your weekly updates no, can seriously. we make that no, pants yeah. podcast. <laughs> there you go it's seriously like oh, guys 
you can't appreciate how difficult it is to like have sort of that you hear it all the time the shrink it and pink it and mm-hmm. that kind of thing yep, yep. but even the materials won't be as nice it'll look similar but the stitching might not be as tough or yeah. i mean and, and the fit yep and the, the fit so you're wearing something that doesn't quite fit and then might rip at an inopportune moment it's to hear this coming out browning i applaud you <laughs> it, it, it is exciting because i can remember um having Georgia Pellegrini on uh, years ago after I read Bird Hunter, um, having her on KFAN talking about, boy, there's just not a lot of women's clothing. And I've had similar conversations with Tina Dockin over the years. And finally, you know, that it, it, Browning is doing a great job, but there's others too, you know, that there's starting to be competition for the women's clothing market, which is a wonderful thing. Orvis, Orvis. Orvis has mm-hmm. some terrific stuff. You know, there's Proist, there's um, McKenna Quinn, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and they're all partnering with us as well. So, you know, it's really exciting to see, and, and this isn't intended to be a gear podcast, but as you become a hunter, whether you're a new hunter or an old hunter, there are different motivations, right? And our buddy Matt Kaharski is a gear junkie, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Well, there's gear junkies that are new hunters too. Right. And that, especially when you start talking about women getting involved, they want to, you know, have stuff that fits and mm-hmm. is comfortable for the same reasons guys do. That's mm-hmm. correct. And that's a really, really fun component of the women on the wing uh, initiative, it, 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 working with corporations to help them figure out the right pathway to creating the right stuff, but then reaching that audience. Yeah. And I think it goes back to, I mean, even social support, when you have that gear for them, they feel welcome. They mm-hmm. feel like they belong in the industry. Um, and without that, you're kind of lost. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's exciting. So as normally happens, I've been like all over the board asking questions, different (laughs) tangents. But, um, you know, as I opened the podcast, I talked about, well, some people might be offended if we call adult onset hunter, new hunter. Uh, You know, do do those terms offend? How do you want to be? I mean, nobody really wants to be categorized. But, you know, how should this conservation hunting community refer to what you are you're all looking at me (laughs) well and the other you know that's a tough Mm -hmm. question right because it's it's awkward Mm -hmm. and then you also add on to that the r3 component and like oh hey another acronym Mm -hmm. woohoo you know (laughs) and and you're in some ways, I got to imagine like, oh, so I'm just an initiative. I'm just a number. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it, do I fit into the retain, recruit, reactivate bucket? You know, like, just treat yeah. me as a new hunter. Yeah. Or just treat me as a hunter, period, right? Right. So for me, thinking about that, kind of looking at some stuff, I was like, well, it's just a hunter. Like, at this point, I mean, I've been doing it long enough that I'm just a hunter and know that everybody's story for hunting or how they got into it is mm-hmm. going to be different. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, we want hunters, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the ultimate goal is to grow the numbers of uh, hunters, whatever category it's in. But ultimately, we, we want to see hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I I agree I with you. I, you like can call me Hunter. That's oh, what the <laughs> your new nickname, man. Yeah, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hunter Sterner. <laughs> that's got a nice ring to it. It does. <laughs> um, I appreciate term adult onset hunter because even though I've hunted for what six seasons now it's still I mean 
it helps other hunters who are hunting with me know kind of where I'm at, gotcha. right? Because I get out there and uh, let's look at you, Bob. You've been hunting since you were a kid. You walked along with your folks, yep. right? Yep. Um, Mom and dad. Yep, yeah, I probably had like a pop gun at one, one year and that kind of thing. And sometimes I'm out there and I honestly still or I might not understand what we're doing or why we're doing it or, or what you're seeing. And sometimes I look around and I'm like, guys, like I'm the equivalent of a 15 year old mm -hmm. out here who's been doing it their whole life. Like, I really don't know what this is, what, what we're doing or why you're pointing it, pointing this out. Um, and, and that helps. Um, so I, I kind of disagree with Ooh. the categorization that, you know, you're a 15 year old. I mean, mm -hmm. I know what you mean. Like, mm -hmm. hey, I've only been hunting for two, three years. Mm -hmm. But as I've hunted with you, like from the very first time after we hunted, mm -hmm. right, the email you sent back and your observations and your depth of understanding the unspoken components of hunting hmm. was far deeper than any 15 year old on the planet. They're far, it was far deeper than most long-term hunters. Um, and that was true too of, uh, of other people I've taken. I like mm -hmm. Dave guy took out this past, um, fall, similar thing, email back and, you know, he's quoting Aldo Leopold, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and different, different authors and different philosophy and no 15 year old's going to quote Aldo <laughs> Leopold. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So uh, there is some magic there in, an adult onset hunter seeing the world through an adult's eyes mm -hmm. that can be often overlooked or looked or taken for granted. Like you're a different breed of hunter and in some ways a different, uh, a higher, you experience things in a higher level than person that's sort of taken things for granted. I'm really stereotyping, right? No, because it, it but makes sense. But, you know, that I can remember very clearly the email you sent back to me and Billy mm -hmm. after our first pheasant hunt together, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to have to look this up now. Yeah, I'm like, I, ooh, I, all right. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was very um, gratifying to see, and I felt really appreciated, which was really cool. But I was also just stunned at the depth of which you understood what we had done without speaking about a, a lot of it. So, uh, and not to go crazy oh. on it, but they, I think adult onset hunters are far more um, complex in understanding than a 15-year-old. Well, uh, yes. Uh, I yeah, mean, I mean, no, it's, it, I think maybe it's the, it's the amount of experience. Because I still, uh, there are times when I'm out with you and I literally have no idea <laughs> why we're doing what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but the... I, you you hit on something there, like, uh, back me up. Yeah. Isn't it nice to sort of fall in love with hunting as an adult? It is, and I think it offers a, and, you know, obviously I don't have experience growing up hunting, so I can't speak to that, but I feel like it's a, an unusual, unique experience and perspective. Mm. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm more passionate, more hungry for it because I'm making up for lost time. Mm. Yeah. It's like I didn't discover this until you know, 30 years old, and I just have to experience as much as possible every minute of the season. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, unique to a couple individuals or if, if a lot of adult onset hunters feel that way, but you didn't kind of get pulled along as a kid. You didn't get, um, you know, forced into it. You 
actively made a choice that this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be. So you kind of own it mm -hmm. um, and just fully immerse yourself in it. And I think that's, I think that's part of it. Yeah, I can see that being true. But my experience was a little bit younger, but still considered technically an adult onset hunter. Mm -hmm. right? um, so when I was in, was getting started, I did it because I wanted to hunt. Um, and then I was out there hunting and picking up as much as I could. But it wasn't probably until I'd say maybe like five years ago where it, things just kind of switched for me. I guess in that conversation where I was like, okay, taking it in a different reason. Like, I think it's more like when I got to the point and then it could just be the style of hunting, tra transitioning to bow hunting and mm -hmm. spending more time in the woods and more quality, like reflection time rather than, you know, the abbreviated gun season and things like that, where it's really like, okay, more time to think about those type of things and, and reflect on it where it's kind of like more of that switch where it's mm. like, okay, now I get it rather than coming it to it with that approach. I think if I would have started at 30 or 35 or something like that, that that would probably be just be more natural because you're thinking more about that. Mm. But in my early twenties, it was like, oh, we're going to go deer hunting because yeah. that's what we do. We're mm. going to go deer hunting, right? <laughs> Especially cool. if you're from, from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to be left out anymore. <laughs> been, been left out for like 10 years. <laughs> Got some catching up to do. Yeah. So uh, you, Marissa and Julia, you both talked about the dog's role. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm playing the marketing mind a little bit. And in Pheasants Forever, we have what we categorize as personas, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we create content based on personas. The the bird dog loving hunter, right? Mm -hmm. the, the locavore, the uh, gear junkie. And we create content online and social media. And if you look at our website, you'll be able to identify who we're trying to reach. Mm -hmm. And we also do the same thing, marketing, to pull in new folks into hunting and into conservation and into membership. And as I hear your guys' story, I think, okay, they're primarily the dog-loving bird hunter as number one. Mm -hmm. That's the primary driver. And the locavore, you mm -hmm. know, finding, um, you know, acquiring your own food so you know where it comes from. Is that an accurate assessment of one and two? Or is it... it and is it is that too simplistic a way to look at it? Well, I mean, I think you have to be a little simplistic if you're looking at, at it. I mean, you're not going to capture everybody and everything. It's right. just not possible. But um, I'd probably switch mine. Okay. Um, and, and not necessarily continuing to be that maybe. Um, I would say initially it was locavore first. Okay. Um, and then the the bird dog was, was right behind it. But now um, – you know, I don't, I don't know if it wasn't for the bird dog and upland hunting. I don't, I don't know where I'd be at because that's really been kind of the whole thing for me. So um, they probably switched place at, at some point. Gotcha. Just don't know when that was. Uh -huh. um, but the, the meat was the initial, um, the gateway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What got me to drink the Kool-Aid. So. <laughs> the bait. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and that's true, too, of uh, longtime hunters. They, the motivations that one, two, three switch over time yeah you know I, I don't think when i first started the meat was super important and now as julia knows um i love 
the wild game meat yeah. and trying recipes and have a huge party at the end around Christmas time with all the people I hunt with. And so I'll be here in December. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be pheasant feast 16. All right. Yeah. Yep. So, so uh, Julia, what about you? You think that's accurate dog than locavore? Or? Uh, yeah, it kind of depends on who you talk with. I think about, I think about like modern carnivore mm-hmm. where, where the food is the, is the bait, but, um, I don't still at the end of the day I, I I wouldn't be as active as I am without that relationship with the dog. Yeah. And it really is about the experience because I promise you like we don't do numbers. We don't do accounting as to what that meal cost. Yeah. I'm doing little air quotes because <laughs> I don't even want to know how expensive <laughs> yeah. that grouse dish was. But um the 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 food is the trophy shot for us yeah. like it isn't it isn't the the tailgate full because mm-hmm. there isn't a tailgate full i mean it's usually one bird in hand and feeling pretty pretty amazing yeah um but uh food is food is great bait for maybe non-hunters acceptance like i bring a lot of game mm. to work and I, whenever we have a potluck at work, I try to, well, oh, we're going to have a chili cook-off. Mine's going to be a pheasant chili. Mm-hmm. You know, because the idea for me is that um, I would love it if everybody would hunt or at least get a duck stamp. But if you can't or won't, at least don't try to suppress mm-hmm. hunting. Because it's conservation. Right. It is. Right. <coughs> but you, Eric? from a, a, the persona motivation mm-hmm. component because I've heard a lot of like guilt tripping in, mm-hmm. in your story, you know, like trying to live up to the Wisconsinite and, and trying to be authentic to taking on a job at Pheasants Forever. But there's, yeah. I'm sure there's deeper motivations than that. I think uh, my motivation may be one of those that doesn't necessarily fit into a box. Sure. I mean, I do it a lot for the meat and um, we, I do fish a lot. So we do have, like you're talking about, I never calculate the expense on <laughs> a, f- a walleye fillet either because mm. you <laughs> would just not want to know. Um, but I think for me, it's more the adventure and mm-hmm. like getting out there and experience and exposure to it. I mean, that's kind of what draws my interest in upland hunting is because I am so new to it. Yeah. Um, and there's so many things to go try and do. Um, I enjoy that is a persona, by the way. Is it? Yeah, okay, the there outdoor you go. adventure. The outdoor adventure. Because you're right. I mean, there is the, you know, the the backpacker, the hiker, and then you know there isn't uh, evolution's probably the w- wrong term, but the person that wants to add the, you know, the hunting component to that backpacking adventure. So yeah, that that's absolutely right. an adventure. If you think about our colleague Matt Harding. Yeah. Um who backpacks into the Ruby Mountains to chase a Himalayan snowcock. I know. You know that got a second one. I don't even want to talk uh, to him. But, <laughs> it, but that's that's for sure in Mine. the same category not category, that's a unique category mm-hmm. to gear junkie and the you know the habitat conservationist the person that just has food plots and nesting cover and you know they're juiced up about the the habitat right the adventurer for sure is a unique persona mine are definitely softer adventures yeah (laughs) (laughs) maybe you'll you'll (laughs) evolve into that uh, backpacking trip but learning new things and and being able to take um other people along in those adventures and stuff like that because i have a couple trips that i dub as guys weekends you know that's 
an ice fishing trip or a trip to, mm-hmm. you know, Rainy Lake in the fall or whatever it happens to be. And if you know me and happen to mention that you might want to try something and it's something that there's a possibility to do, mm-hmm. come along. We're going to go, we're going to go give it a, you know, good try and try and get you on fish or birds or whatever. Um, that's why, like I said, that one friend of mine who was like, you're coming out. And now every year he's like, that's my goal is to get you out a couple times mm-hmm. every fall. He's like, what weekends you got for me? It's like, is it really like this is a have to do for me? Or is it just getting out, experiencing something else? And then hopefully at some point having that exposure and experience and being able to mm-hmm. share that with somebody else. Yeah. Uh, Julia, you touched on, you know, the connection between hunting and conservation Mm -hmm. and the environment and you know you're a super successful professional yeah you know but uh, i was sorry i didn't i was like i am yeah (laughs) please tell my boss (laughs) this is that review Um, yes that review is going to keep coming up as an adult onset Mm -hmm. hunter prior to hunting Mm -hmm. were you aware of the role that license sales played in, in habitat revenue and nope. uh, conservation organizations like Pheasants Forever and Ducks and them, what they did or nope, uh, not at all, not at all. And in it, um, and it, despite all the hiking and all the camping and and all the time and angling, even you know, like I grew up fishing, I seriously didn't look at the natural world, um in the way I look at it now until I hunted Mm -hmm. and paid attention to sort of the food chain. And I know that there are people who fish who do and, and pay it like I, I just didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, if we're going to be doing guilt and confessions, I actually feel really badly about that. That's the time that I can't make up for. Um, and now I see it and I'm like, Oh God, (laughs) buy that duck stamp you know you're a birder buy a duck stamp you know that sort of thing um it really changed the way i see the natural world and i think it's happening at a time where we really need to Mm -hmm. pay attention to it you your organization makes habitat for everyone whether they walk it with a shotgun or not yeah do you both have similar experiences with before you know before coming to work at pheasants forever before being hunters did you know about the connection no i had no idea um i wasn't aware of the pitman robertson act Mm -hmm. i wasn't aware of what license you know sales went to um i think even the places i mean as as outdoorsy as i was some of the places that i hunt now i would have never gone to those places and so the general respect for the land knowing that every time i go i'm actually helping to fund those places um, I think that would have been a game changer much earlier on for me. That probably would have talked me into it sooner than, than it did. Um, what do you think we're doing so wrong as an, uh, as, an, um, I- as an entire conservation entity that we cannot get through that message to people that aren't in our own community? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not like we're quiet about it. Right. You know, we're, we are shouting it, but... It seems like the only people listening are our members, people, I- even, I think there's an e- even large percentage of current hunters that don't belong to organizations like Pheasants Forever <coughs> that also have no idea Correct. Mm-hmm. about PR dollars or how, um, how connected their license is to the quality of habitat on the ground. Yeah. Like, it, it, that's a baffling thing. It's like, 
we need like a billion dollar, you know, mass media grant to <laughs> right to be on a Super Bowl commercial and say, "Come on, folks, don't you understand this?" <laughs> I would love to see that Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, that would be great. Yeah. Like a Schoolhouse Rock for the yeah. <laughs> PR <School> dollars. <laughs> But I, I don't think you guys are, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. It's not, it, I just, it's kind of weird to explain. Mm-hmm. Or I think about, um, I think about when hunters speak out about it. Well, you know, like other people don't have a voice in conservation, wh- which is something I experienced as a hiker. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have a voice. I pay for this. You know, you ride my coattails. And now I look at it and I go, yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. Where You know, like, where's the invite maybe? Mm-hmm. Um I, maybe it's a civics lesson. Sure. Maybe it's a climate lesson. I, that's sure. That's a great book because I did growing up where I did. I had a conservation class in high school, which I think is a that's big the time UP anomaly. Though, right? It is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're right because yeah. in the UP, you know, we didn't even have school on deer opener. You know, <laughs> and that's kind of an odd thing. But a conservation mm-hmm. class. You know, as in parallel with a biology class, mm-hmm. would be massively important mm-hmm. or valuable, I think, to a generation of understanding. Once we get now, like more of those public or personal finance class, like that mm-hmm. type of like skill set things that that you'll see in um, before kids get out of high school. You know, yeah. Other kind of check the box. You need conservation too. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Because yeah. for me, I it was more of that starting to look at when that kind of switch flipped and starting just to get more education on like hunting in general, um, where I started to learn that too. I didn't pick it up early on. It wasn't until, you know, a few years ago, I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was working in higher education before I came here and Mm -hmm. always um, was like, this is my give back for my education. It was kind of my personal give back working for higher education. Because whenever the, that, well, that was what I told myself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whenever the uh, alumni association would come knocking and be like, no, I got it. I'm, I'm you know, I'm donating my time. <laughs> yeah. And then after, you know, getting uh, more exposure, more education, and then sitting there, I'm like, okay, I've, I've done this for, you know, 10, 10 years or so. I'm like, I think it's, I think it's time to go to my next passion. And that's kind of what got yeah. me looking into doing something like working for Pheasants Forever and had a few conversations with people in the industry and you know I first was like got that kind of well yeah you know join a group help out mm-hmm. and I was like I, I just I'm like lifestyle change let's like, go for it so yeah. when this opportunity came up that's part of the motivation was because uh, I know what the mission of the group did right and that changed even a career change of doing something completely different than what I was doing working in higher education that didn't come just because I was a hunter, mm-hmm. right? It came with that knowledge and exposure to the broader conservation piece that got me thinking, okay, I just can't sit here and, you know, mm-hmm. let everybody else do this. Living your values, working your values. Right. Both of you have talked about mm-hmm. that, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. You also talked um, I- earlier about, you know, when you're deer hunting, it's um very introspective like quiet time of that type of hunting and i know exactly what you're talking about you know when you're just staring out into the woods it you can't help but just start thinking about your life and thinking about different things now bird hunting is a little different than that like if you're bird hunting alone 
there's that value or that that component but if you're bird hunting with a group it's different i tried that once bird hunting with a group or bird hunting alone no trying to get that introspective thing during a group of yeah (laughs) yeah didn't go so well (laughs) how important how important is the introspective like that component to hunting because i think that's not talked about a lot but um i i i love hunting alone like i i have a good group of folks that i enjoy hunting bird hunting with but time with just me and my dogs in the woods is gold Mm -hmm. how important is that to you guys very yeah (laughs) yeah that's my preferred too i mean there's definitely people i enjoy but um you know and i love taking new hunters that's Mm -hmm. there's something that's just so special about that Mm. but um being out there with just the dog and just this vast open land rolling out in front of you is incredible it's there's nothing like it i i feel i mean i'm a volunteer you guys work it you you really live it and you work it and you invite people out and i've started to do that i've done that over the years and we have a small core group and we add every year but um this year i actually started i'm calling it the one to me um where i take a new person out Mm. or i go out with a group but that third hunt that's just me and ran that's just me and ran and it's and it's going to be almost impossible it's big this fall is really booked but i i i feel the shortness of my girl dog's life and Mm. i want to have every chance i can it's so precious it's interesting to me though like i feel like it took me a long time to get to a point where i was comfortable enough um not getting lost or you know being safe um to go out alone it seems like it'd be an intimidation for all of you as relatively new hunters. Like, wh- at what point did you get like, okay, I can do this on my own, and I actually like it better on my own? So mine started um, probably sooner than it should have. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I live two and a half, three hours away from my cousin, and I spent an entire year not hunting, asking to go hunting, um, and couldn't find anyone to, to take me. Um, not for any particular reason. I think people just have their groups yeah. and it's mm-hmm. just a, a fluid motion. They know when they're going to go, they mm-hmm. know the rhythm and they do it. Um, and so I did go on, on my first upland hunt with a friend and, uh, it was awful. I, it was wonderful, but it was pouring rain. Mm-hmm. I totally blew it on a shot and I literally just watched the bird. I did nothing <laughs> with the gun. Um, look at how beautiful that is. Yeah, like that. that's exactly what, well, it's so more just shock, picture. I think. Just panic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so uh, I just decided to just teach myself. Mm. And I started hunting on my own basically mm-hmm. from the beginning. Mm. Um, found some public access sites outside of Omaha. We'd drive there. And trial and error would just go hang out with the dog. I've gotten lost. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Thank you, Onyx, because <laughs> 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 um, I quickly purchased that shortly after that that day I got mm. lost. And I definitely take um, precautions. I let people know where I'm going. I send mm-hmm. them screenshots of a map of exactly where I'm at. I promise I'll call them when I leave if they don't hear from me. Mm. Um, you know, kind of have some things set in place there. But, uh, uh, yeah, it, that's just been the norm for me. Mm. 
Um, That's a great checklist. I would love to see that checklist for new hunters because it, it is, you know, seriously a text with a photo. Like, you are here with even a finger on a piece mm -hmm. of paper w is really helpful. It'd be nice to be able to send those after you hunt the spot, though. <laughs> 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 I see where you're let going. Me, let me say also that I send them to people who don't hunt. <laughs> so yeah, okay, they, there we I go. am not you're sending covered. them to hunting buddies. <laughs> Purely survival, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, did you do you have trails in in Omaha in or in Nebraska? Because like that's how hunter I hunter walking yeah trails. hunter walking oh. trails. Because that's a real benefit for. Uh, the only reason I'm not still wandering the woods is yeah. because of the trails. No, um, I mean, not that I've been exposed to. Mm -hmm. And I will I will also say I have not done, um, you know, a sa I've done some prairie chicken hunting, chicken hunting on my own mm -hmm. um, in a, a smaller population area that there's smaller plots. I haven't gone into the sand hills on my own yet. That's a that's a pretty big area mm -hmm. with uh, minimal cell service. And I'm not not sure about that one. But um yeah, you know, I I don't think we necessarily have, you know, similar to like the grouse woods here, um, mm -hmm. what you have as far as trails and um, it's some of that prairie grass is pretty tall. You get turned around easily in there. It's <laughs> I think uh, hasn't every hunter gotten lost? I mean, like, <laughs> had, like had that <laughs> uh, when you look up and you're like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we all have. Yep. Been. Yep. <laughs> there's just a, there's a beauty in that sometimes too, mm -hmm. though. And for a moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How long before you felt comfortable going along alone, Gina? I actually I I s started alone. I mean, I went too, to huh? a couple of I went to a couple of uh, becoming um, an outdoors woman uh -huh. events, and that's what like started. But um, uh, the advice I received from a lot of people, you know, just go. Yeah. Take you and your dog, um, Chris Niskanen. Mm -hmm. He said, get out there, and and I. I didn't even know about public land. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, m maybe that's a great place to start, but I found a hunter walking trail outside of Aiken, and I thought, it goes in, and it goes out. Right. I'm not, as long as I know where the trail is, I can't really get too lost, and um, and that's how I started, and I, I still stick to them quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Michigan's gems, um, lines, uh, that's really important, but... Um, I, I don't, well, I mean, if you grow up going outdoors, though, you also mm -hmm. always know there's a chance to get lost. Yeah. I think it would be really hard for a, for somebody who had n no experience to sure. grow up. As all three of you were going through this new process, was there ever a moment that it was almost a deal killer for you, where you're like, I'm, th I'm out. This isn't for me. Marissa's shaking her head, yes, yeah, I, and I think was, that's the only one. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was, I mean, I got really frustrated when I'd continue to ask and, and couldn't find someone to, mm. to go, or the people that could take me, they were far enough away, and it just didn't work for me to get out there on mm. the days, or they'd make a split-second decision to go, you know, that next mm -hmm. morning, mm -hmm. I just couldn't get out there, so I was getting really frustrated, um, you know, and there's that, that fear of missing out and you'd get, mm. you know, pictures from your friends after the hunt. It's like, oh, great. Where was yeah. the invite? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think I was I was excited enough about it, fortunately, and I'm stubborn that it was like, I'm going to do this. I, I mm. want it enough. I'm going to do it. And so fortunately, that pushed me forward. But it, it, that could have stopped mm. some other people mm -hmm. who who weren't as excited about it. Yeah. That's a really easily. good point. That's a really good point. Eric, did you have anything that almost broke it for you? Or no, I I think I had a, a lot of good sp 
support from individuals that I've uh, that have started. It's always mm-hmm. been um, more of a group thing for me to at least initiating things sure. like that. So I think if I would have ran into um, someone that made that difficult, that could have been. But I've never had that experience, so I could see how that would be. Um, I think the thing that's helped me a lot is to know that there's even within like pheasant hunting, there's unlimited amount of different ways that it can go down and you can experience it and someone can have an experience that is different and still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's easier to paint with like bow hunting. Like you can go out into the North woods of Wisconsin and maybe see a deer and mm-hmm. be lucky if you get a shot on a deer all season, you can go into central Wisconsin and hunt a cornfield and sit there and count 40 deer in a night. Or you could go into some urban area and, you know, have unli- almost unlimited <laughs> tags you know a lot of opportunity to harvest a deer but you're sitting in more of a urban area mm-hmm. and who's to say which hunt is you know better there's there's still hunting and whoever's partaking in that um as long as they're doing it within legal means yeah. is having an experience that to them is probably valuable yeah. so keeping an open mind to trying different approaches trying different types of hunting i think that's probably what's more helped me is knowing that okay that was that. Yeah. <laughs> You're exactly so right. do yeah. I want to do that again or would I like to try something, something else yeah. different? Yeah. Uh, I'm switching just a little or going a little different tangent. Marissa, as we were talking about this podcast or the idea for this podcast, y- you were like, okay, Bob, make sure that you don't just have you and three women because mm-hmm. that's the cliche thing where – all the the R three stuff, all the new hunter stuff, um, is always focused on, you know, twenty five to forty five year old women, right? And it's just and youth. It, 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 well, <laughs> it, yeah, and, and some component of youth. Um, what's frustrating about that to you? Oh, it's a tough question with not an easy answer. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of different components to it. One, I think that, um, you know, and and I'm you can't speak for everyone. We're all individual in the way that we, we think and ha- what we feel and what we need to motivate us and help us. But um, I think that there is a strong desire for women to feel like they're just natural in this role. Um, there's a place for them in hunting. It's normal to see them there. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I think it can create some, um, just it, it doesn't give it that feel necessarily with that. Um, the other thing is with R3 specifically, um, you know, we have a national decline in hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means a lot for obviously conservation and habitat because that's where that is funded. That's where that awareness is. That's where that, um, you know, ownership of those lands are. And so I think if we alienate anybody at this point, we're, we're, we're missing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Eric here, you know, with his story. And I actually went on a hunt last year with a, a chef in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was his first hunt. And um, he said that as an adult male, uh, people actually, he felt that it was looked down upon, that he was asking to learn how to hunt, that he should have been expected to Mm. know that as a guy, um, and that there was kind of a little bit of a stereotype Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, you know, like I said earlier, women are the fastest growing demographic. We need to support them. We need, you know, events and whatever that is. Um, Some women want to be with a group of other women because that's what they're comfortable with. And that's great. We we should absolutely provide that and support them through those methods. Um, 
but we also can't forget about everybody else. Right. And I think there's a lot of unique perspective and voices from every individual um, that we can learn from and that we can just continue to, you know, just impact a larger amount of individuals by doing that. And I don't think I mentioned this in the uh, your introduction. That that uh, wonderfully eloquent description of where we're heading came from the Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever 2018 Rookie of the Year, <laughs> right? The yes. the, the most uh, valuable new employee in the organization, and and um, I think you can see lis- our listeners can see just how perfect a person to take on. Um, kind of this this women on the wing national youth leadership council like uh, you know you, you fit that role and you have a really thoughtful way of approaching it from you know both um recruitment perspective from a marketing perspective that's also very authentic Thank so you. i know i left Make that out <laughs> I, I left that out in the uh, the introductions it's all right but, you uh, probably would have panicked me if you started <laughs> with that, so. um what, Julia, you're also a woman, yes, adult onset yep. hunter. <laughs> Do you feel like that uh, that's a little bit too much of a stereotype too, where, where it, everything in the R3 is directed at women, or is that, um, or are we a little hypersensitive? I'm it? I'm going to answer this carefully, as I am actually <laughs> on Minnesota's you, Minnesota DNR R3 Council, yep. um, but I you you can't ignore that growing demographic, Mm -hmm. right? We absolutely can't, or we can't um, ignore the fact that our culture is changing and it's diversifying. Um, To that point, everybody does need to get invited to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe because I am a digital producer and I think about how much of my professional life goes into making you look at your phone, right? Mm -hmm. I want you to look at your phone. (laughs) I want you to listen to this podcast on your phone. I want you to subscribe to seven other podcasts, that sort of thing. It doesn't feed the spirit the way being outdoors Mm -hmm. does. And um, I think we're, as as a species, we're going to lose our humanity if we don't bring more people out. I I actually believe that. Mm. And um, I, I can't stress the importance of that enough. And, just as women and and people of color need to right. see themselves in your magazines, right. um, in ads, um, in stories on TV, uh, guys who have never gone out field mm-hmm. need to see themselves out there. And it's okay to be out there. And it's okay to look around and go, I don't know what I'm doing. You know? Um, and I don't think that happens for guys a lot. Yeah. I think you guys have a lot of pressure to... I think society expects you to be great at everything. Yeah. I, I, I think you made a wonderful point as well. Like, I feel like we're making great progress on the women's front, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Marissa is evidence of that. And, yeah. and while we're <laughs> we're nowhere near where we need to be in mm-hmm. all levels of, you know, just authenticity and photography we choose and writing and the mm-hmm. authors, we, we still have ways to go. But you know where we've barely even scratched the surface is the ethnicity mm-hmm. component and and that's a market that isn't growing but we need to help figure out how mm-hmm. to grow it because you know the the 45 year old white guy we, who we can't alienate mm-hmm. because right. that's still historically the core and that's and still, still the bread and butter mm-hmm. and they absolutely matter we need to also figure out how to bring in 
these audiences that um, will be critical to the future of the habitat we all cherish and the public lands and these birds. You're putting a lot of responsibility on, on yourselves and your organization. Mm-hmm. Like I actually look to the members, I think about something um, Travis Frank said at the Ramsey County um, Pheasants Forever Banquet. He was talking about, he was talking about plus one. Mm-hmm. Like it's all of our responsibilities to like look outside our group and um, maybe ask the person who doesn't have the physical capability to be out all day mm-hmm. you know maybe your hunt is an hour seriously what mm-hmm. what does it take to get people out and yeah. um and i think too another challenge in that too would be asking the person that you uh, maybe think you're going to get a no from mm. yeah it's easy to ask someone that you think will go with you right, right. and that's open to the idea mm-hmm. right but that person that's maybe you'd think you'd get that pushback from mm-hmm. and someone that might not get out of doors if you weren't to ask and you think that's mm-hmm. the harder sell that might be another challenge personally on a on a plus one two I kind of idea i love that and we yeah. need obviously from your story Marissa, we need to invite people yeah like mm-hmm. well and one of the things that i've been trying to explore is um you know individuals that are kind of on the fence and don't know if if they want to hunt or not um, you know, they understand it. They appreciate it as just saying, come hike with me. Mm-hmm. You don't have to carry a gun. Yeah. Just come walk mm-hmm. with me and come along, check out what the uplands look like. And I promise you, you're going to want to come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah th- that was a really good point. I mean, p- particularly Eric, as you say, it's really easy to ask the person, you know, is going to say yes and you're going to be comfortable with, but mm-hmm. it's like, okay, let's stretch it a little bit and find that person that's really uncomfortable about it. Um, as you guys each, guys and gals, Midwesterner, <laughs> uh, think about the hardest component and the easiest component of your beginning uh, as hun- as a hunter. What was what was the hardest thing for you to learn or overcome? And what was like that was that was no problem. I didn't have any. And we've talked a little bit about this. Like uh, it seems like the hunter safety not super hard, but a little bit uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? What else along those lines is um, things that um, you recall for maybe just tips for folks along the way that are getting into this? I would say the uh, the hardest part for me then and continues to be the hardest part for me is just shooting in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, gun fit is a mm-hmm. big thing, especially, yep. you know, women are known to have longer necks. Um you know, it's just a different frame. So finding a gun that fits is important. Um, you know, and I just, I struggle a little bit with some cross-eye dominance when I shoot. And so it's trying to, um, you know, figure out. And I think that's um, not uncommon in women mm-hmm. um, from what I understand. Or guys too. I've is got it? lazy eyes. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, that makes things tough too. So overcoming that, you know, I think I wish I could have found somebody that mm. um, really coached me in mm-hmm. shooting when I started. I think that would have helped a lot. Um, I don't have to harvest a bird. In fact, I consider yes. any time I'm in the field a success. Mm. It does get frustrating when mm-hmm. you've gone several times and you've had opportunities mm-hmm. and you miss those. So it's something I'd like to continue to improve on. Um, easiest, getting a bird dog. That's yeah. the easiest part of hunting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no Loving a bird dog. <laughs> easy, easy, uh, easy. It's probably not the right answer, but that's no. what I'm going with. So. Oh. <laughs> You are, you are right on. <laughs> Eric? I'd say, uh, uh, how about we go with two answers in one. Sure. But 
just taking that first step is probably the hardest mm. and the easiest. Because mm. once you once you look back at it, it's like, because we were talking about getting kind of the podcast here and ideas and looking back at it, it's like, well, what was the hardest part for me to get started? Mm. It was like, well, there's probably something at that time that I thought was pretty hard, but just now mm. I, c- I couldn't pinpoint it. You know, so for me, like trying new species, if if someone wants uh, looking around the group, wants mm-hmm. to take me out to hunt X, Y, Z, fill mm-hmm. in the blank, I probably easily take that step and mm. go try something new and not and not think of that as a as a limiting factor anymore. But mm. Julia. Um, easiest is definitely the, the dog, the dog <laughs> that is and and so rewarding like i could listen to a podcast i could listen to 90 minutes of people just talking about how much they love their dogs <laughs> or or we've all experienced the dog expression i i did not know this hunting but mm. your dog would actually look at you like you've got to be kidding me oh, yeah. <laughs> shot. like i didn't never expected that to happen um uh, i don't know if it was the hardest starting out the most confusing thing was actually like trying to find places to hunt Mm. Mm -hmm. and learning how to navigate i mean where there's great tools like you mentioned onyx um uh, our dnr has a great great like walker you Mm -hmm. know like uh, hunting walker trails and all all these maps um and no one said by the way you're going to need to know exactly where every county in Mm -hmm. the state is Mm -hmm. and Luckily, I have good map skills, but still, it comes down to, like, when you're starting out, it's super confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's even etiquette. There's WMA etiquette and that kind of stuff. And it's... It's very confusing when you start off. Yeah. Yeah. You you really... I remember pulling up to a parking spot and thinking, I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> out here. Or even if you can park there. Yeah. Like where do exactly. I start? What direction exactly. do I move in? Am I far enough off, yeah. off the road? Am I, you know, like, is this the right season? No, you know, like, I, I remember actually p- printing out things to make sure, like, don't shoot at a bird that looks like this. Yeah. Or, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, like a r- red, cir- red Sharpie and yeah. a line through it. So how did you get over that? Did did was it just oh I'm gonna go try it, or did you ask questions, or did you go with somebody that said okay you can park here, we're gonna do this? Like how did you overcome that component? The internet. <laughs> okay. Let me really? Google that for you. No, I'm serious. <laughs> really? Okay. And actually, that's how I kind of how I found um, PF is you guys did you had Rooster Road Trip and that kind of stuff. I sort of looked around like. You know, when you go to, I use this example a lot, but when you go to a uh, fancy dinner or a restaurant, you look around at what people are doing, what are you, which, which fork are you grabbing, you know, like you're picking mm. up etiquette, like I was doing that with the internet hmm. and, um, which is good and bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I do something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've got a bad habit somewhere. Don't tell the DNR. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that kind of opens the door right into the lightning round questions that oh. I was going to ask. Um, so uh, I'm going to ask questions about your comfort level. And comfort level, like you really are uncomfortable, is a low number, zero, one. Okay. Or you're at this point, you're, you're really confident. So a high number, 10. Um, first, before I jump into that, just for clarification, how many years have you been hunting now, Julia? This will be, this technically will be my seventh season. Seventh if I'm, season. If I'm correct, yeah. Coming into seven. Fourth. Coming into four. And Eric? 
Upland. Upland. Three. Coming into three. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. seven, four, and three. All right, so Julia. Okay. Um, zero low, mm-hmm. 10 high. How comfortable are you knowing state hunting laws in the state in which you live? <clears throat> well, thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, no, I'm lightning round. Uh, I'm going to say seven. I have to check it frequently, and it changes, so don't just rely on the paper. Okay. What about not where you live? Not where I live? I'm really crazy about that. I really look at them before I go out. Right. Yeah, yeah, I do. I cram for a test, basically, okay. when, when I hunt the UP and that kind of stuff. Okay. Marissa? I'd say nine. Um yeah, I mean, we'll see. You kind of have to be in this job, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a loaded question. But <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I mean, there's certainly when I'm hunting new species, you know, I, mm-hmm. I have to look into it a little bit. But um, I always want to make sure that I'm just yeah. dead on knowing what's going on, what I'm supposed to be doing. And um, yeah. Any Anything different when you go out of state? Uh, this will be my first year hunting out of state. Okay. I have yet to do it. So um yeah, I'm sure I'll study quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Eric? Uh, I'd probably say that seven, two. Yeah. Um, but then, like, even flipping a little bit, if I'm talking, like, taking someone fishing or whatever, I'm always mm-hmm. looking because if mm-hmm. I'm passing information to somebody, I want to make yeah. sure yep. that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, knowing public land and trespassing laws. I'm going to go nine on that. Yeah. Seriously, I worry about that all the time. I think about it a lot. Yeah, same here. I mean, there's been so many times that uh, I'll be, I'll, you know, I'll check my map, I'll check the mm-hmm. onyx. Yes, I'm, I'm in public, and someone will drive by real slow, looking at me, probably scouting, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh boy, am I on their property? Mm-hmm. And I'm checking it again, and um, so I'm very. Just, that never goes away, by the no, way. Okay. <laughs> no, okay, it's not just a new thing. No, it's, <laughs> like, why, why is that red truck slowing down? <laughs> Keep. Oh, and keep moving. <laughs> Quit looking at me. There's no birds. Yeah. No birds. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, they throw in the barbed wire fence here and yeah. there, too. And that, in the beginning, is like, you sure I can cross this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that actually okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yeah. I'd say like I hate. Yeah. Huh. Uh, all right. Firearm safety. Knowing the, the basics of uh, how to handle your firearm. Thanks to the Minnesota DNR, I feel very confident about it, and um, I won't hunt with people who I don't think are safe. So I'm gonna go with a hard nine on that. Okay. I'm gonna do hard nine ten. When I mean, nice. I'm way more cautious. I'm I'm not gonna pull the trigger on something that's probably anybody else would have, but I'm mm-hmm. mm, not so sure yeah. about. Mm-hmm. So um, I just am very cautious with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we work with some 10, 10 and a half, so I'll put mm-hmm. myself with that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, your level of comfort cleaning the game that you put in the bag. I, uh, this knob goes to 11. Hmm. I And the first the first bird took 45 minutes. N- not kidding. Sure. And and now I'm now I'm pretty comfortable with it. And uh, and sometimes you make a mistake and lose a little meat and other times I mean you know me. I pull. I pull hearts. I pull everything. I yeah, use you everything pull hearts, gizzards, mm-hmm. kidneys. Um, yeah. You you also save feathers. I do for tying. Tying <laughs> We don't. Are we high fiving? Are we yeah. <laughs> what is this? No, it was our own thing now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's our deal. It's our new deal. I, I'm waiting for you to save feet to make soup like Hank Shaw does. Oh. Dogs love the feet. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good tips. Yeah. Tips. <laughs> 
What about you, Marissa? Um, I might go with an eight. Okay. Not not where I want to be yet. Um, I definitely would like to to start saving hearts and some mm-hmm. other things that I haven't explored yet. Um, and then each species is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I was definitely a YouTube person for learning to clean my first bird. That was yep. how I went about that. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, the new one I'll say it seven. So yeah. any any tips or tricks you, <laughs> you gals have, send them on over. All right. Um, and we, we touched on this, knowing hunter etiquette about, um, the unwritten rules. Oh, you know, I still feel awkward. I still feel a seven and it, and it maybe, and sometimes even hunting with new people, Mm -hmm. like being invited into somebody else's group, Mm -hmm. I'm a four and I am very cautious. That's a weird when you switch up, I feel like hunting partner partners are, it's kind of an intimate relationship mm-hmm. almost. And you get in a new group and someone stands too close to you or they mm-hmm. won't stop talking. It's just weird sometimes. And, um, yeah, that's a tough one for me too. I'd say five, five. six. Mm-hmm. I probably have to go with five just cause I'm probably that weird one in the group. <laughs> <laughs> Similar question. What about spots? Like somebody takes you to a spot. How do you, um, mm. uh, what's your level of comfort on knowing what to do or not do with that, you know, share, somebody shared mm-hmm. something like that with you? I actually feel really confident about that and knowing that what I won't do. So if you take me to a spot, I won't share that spot unless we've had a discussion about it. Yeah. Um, but if I find a spot, I'll put it on the internet. You know what I mean? Like hmm. it's, it's just one of those things. Um, I'm bad about Really? I wonder if that's just wanting to encourage more people to start. Yeah, I, there are places um, hmm. when this episode goes live, I will tweet one of my favorite spots. I promise. So on that platform. Um, <laughs> no, I, but I would never share a spot that I felt I was invited to. Even it, even with it being public land, hmm. I don't know. There's something, there's something about that. I take people to spots that I fully anticipate them coming back to. Hmm. That's cool. Because if it's a spot that I want to be my spot, then I should probably keep it my spot. <laughs> <laughs> I like the but way you put if that. it's mm-hmm. if it's uh, something that I'm taking, it doesn't matter if it's fishing or hunting mm-hmm. or whatever. If I take someone out there, I fully anticipate them to gain a skill set that they can put into practical application, and it might be exactly where it took place the first time until they get a comfort level to go try that somewhere else. Wow. That's awesome. That's like a slow clap moment. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't expect if, if now, we'll just clear this slate though. <laughs> if someone does take me along and they say, okay, this is my grouse house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand. <laughs> my grouse, grouse house. house. <laughs> 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 I better not see you intruding at the back door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fully, Sundown. I fully understand what, mm-hmm. what that means. But as far as like, if someone were to come with me and I mean, I would probably have that disclosure, yeah. but say, hey, you're going to learn something. Hopefully, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, you, just as you close that, I, you know, you're going to learn something. Hopefully, that's the goal. Um, that's obviously the goal of this particular podcast, to invite other new hunters in to learn something and to learn about the connection between hunting and conservation and what a great community we all are a part of and what a great organization we are a part of with yeah. Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. Um, a- any advice you'd give to the chapters, the Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever chapters out there that, you know, you're 
all of you are not only relatively new hunters, you're relatively new to the organization too. And there's chapters all around the country searching for exactly rep exact replicas of who you are to help get involved with the chapters, to be mentors, to, to do habitat projects. What, what advice would you give the chapters listening? Um, I would say to look at, look at R3, mm -hmm. but specifically to look at retention. Um, nationally, we're, we're missing a big group there. Um, we, I think we do a, a decent job you know, across the country, different organizations, different individuals with recruitment. Um, and, you know, we can still do better. I'm not saying we're golden mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. but um, a lot of times somebody will be introduced to it and then it's just kind of, you know, they go on their way. And so what does it look like to create that social support? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's where it's yeah. at. And I'm not even talking about just in the field, but being a part of the chapter too. Mm -hmm. Get them back, mm -hmm. get them yep. engaged and working on habitat and things like that. And so just evaluating what that structure in the chapter looks like now um, and what they could do to appeal to more people to come in and, and make a home for them. Eric. Hmm. See, that's a good question. I guess mine was a little different take on it. I'm, whenever I go different places and go out, people ask me where I work. Um, I say, well, I work for Pheasant Scriber. And they're like, oh, this chapter over here and mm -hmm. this chapter over there. It doesn't matter where I go. If I tell them I work for Pheasant Scriber, they tie it back to a local chapter mm -hmm. that they know. Cool. And most people know local chapters. So there's power there. No one ever says, oh, so you work in the headquarters right. up in St. <laughs> <Saint> Paul. <laughs> um, so I think just remembering that there's that, that power and that structure that we have there, that yeah. they do have that reach and that influence. Um, I just I don't know the answer to getting out there and getting mm -hmm. that plus one if maybe they take that that challenge I threw out earlier of, of trying to get outside mm -hmm. of you know that, you but know your you point have is, is really strong though yeah. there is that local connection that sometimes is um, sort of taken for granted yeah. yeah I didn't mean to cut you off no so I guess I I don't know how that would have reached out to me I guess was yeah. my point but but just utilizing that power to maybe get outside of our group you know yeah. you have a, a member and then you have him bring his son maybe you get that member to bring his son's buddy and his dad or, or mm -hmm. wait where can we go outside of that group i don't know what that looks like but there is that power to mm -hmm. utilize there i think so julia what should oh, uh, yeah. you're you are a volunteer of mm -hmm. ramsey county chapter mm -hmm. and you're involved in a whole lot of pheasants forever events so um, what what advice would you give? You know, the, the consistency and the interactions uh, all year, because people are hungry. They're hungry mm -hmm. for socializing. They're hungry, they're hungry to give, really. Right. Um, so there's that, but there's also, I guess I'd look at some of the chapters that I volunteered for or, you know, donated hunts for and that kind of stuff, guiding. And flexibility is kind of key, especially mm -hmm. if you're recruiting. Um, we bring people out who don't carry just to get the experience mm -hmm. or yeah. you have to look at the people you're with and go, okay, this person, ha you know, has a bum knee. We're not going to do, you know, Billy's big walk. Yeah. This is not a Billy's <laughs> big walk moment, you know, like, um, or making sure that at the end of the day they go home feeling that sort of soul satisfaction mm. that can come from hunting, but they're not like, that was miserable. Mm. Like I never want to have somebody leave with like, you do this for fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I, there's, 
and sometimes our stuff isn't set up for that. We we have to yeah, remember because everybody gets a different experience Amen. and gets joy from different mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So that flexibility is key to provide that person, not you, right? Not you, the person taking them out, but taking that person that's going out to give them that experience, yeah, right? That's what you're getting at. That's a that's a great point, and and I guess that's what um, as I want to go towards our each of your final thoughts. And Julia, you mentioned this. You, um, as a new hunter, you mm-hmm. search the internet, right, mm-hmm. for tips and tricks and answers to questions and how tos. So, for uh, somebody that's listening, that is thinking about hunting, mm-hmm. and they found this podcast, what is a final thought you would give them, and whether that's encouragement or a tip? that you want to leave leave them with as we uh as we close this episode. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, when you're doing that, when you do these searches and you see the TV shows and everybody's, you know, I mean, I th- I feel like the media that's out there is putting less less stress on on the take, mm-hmm. you know? You go out and you limit out. You know, it, that doesn't that doesn't show up so much anymore. Um and and not to be afraid to to sort of go out and and not you know you don't you bring home more than your harvest right Absolutely. yeah i'm just look i'm looking at marissa because she said it that's that's the thing to remember um so learn what you can online and kind of no fear yeah the no fear yeah I d- that's been a thread for sure between the two of you like uh, things that i would have thought were intimidating marissa and julia you just kind of like well let go doing it alone <laughs> um, actually takes some of the fear out of it because mm-hmm. you don't have an audience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I can't shoot with an audience. <laughs> <laughs> That's my excuse, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say for me, um, you know, any advice would be d- just don't be afraid to, to really own it and find your own place. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have different motivators. We all have dis- different inspiration. You may want to hunt by yourself. You may want to hunt with all women or all men. You may want to hunt with your best friend and nobody else. Um, none of it is right or wrong. It's it's right for you, and and that's what matters. And so um, own it, love it, be passionate about it. Don't let anybody else tell you you're doing it the wrong way as long as you're doing it the right way. Safely. The legal <laughs> way. <laughs> um, and, and just really just become fully immersed in it. Eric? I need to digress a little bit. Real quick, um, I noticed that Bob gave out some nice workplace kudos for the <laughs> female <laughs> on the podcast Our rookie today. of the year. <laughs> and, uh, and Julia, I think they're both going to see nice, uh, are nice you, are comments. You <laughs> I'm fishing here. <laughs> I'm fishing. And I'm, I'm currently going through a review, Bob. <laughs> Anything you can do, throw a bo- No. Um, I guess mine. <laughs> hey, I you do a wonderful yeah, job yeah, in the grants department. <laughs> there is an eye roll there. <laughs> <laughs> that was about being a Packer yeah. fan. <laughs> no, I get, mine, mine kind of echoes and, and goes along with some of the stuff that uh, the ladies just said. But again, I mean, we do uh, take a lot of stuff, content online. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've said it a couple of times, just knowing that everybody's experience is going to be different and what you take out of it what you enjoy is different um you watch some some videos where you know the limit or where they talk about uh 
I've heard conversations about like the quality of the hunt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and is it you know on the s- scale of this hunt versus that hunt where's you know where does this fit in as like a quality hunt and i kind of also those those uh, we only harvest big bucks kind of thing like mm-hmm. that just exemplifies that kind of a d- mm-hmm. throw that out the window yeah. just forget yeah. about that you, get, you know it's everybody's take on it it's going to be different as long as you're going out there again in a safe and uh legal fashion (laughs) um enjoy enjoy the opportunity that you have available to you um in whatever fashion that looks like yeah my advice i would uh i'd echo that we we'd love to have you if you're out there Mm -hmm. listening um we need you the um nature needs you you might not know it but uh nature wildlife habitat and there's a whole community um with open arms ready to welcome you so give whether it's your local pheasants forever chapter quail forever chapter um contact us um m jensen <laughs> en <laughs> right m jensen at pheasants dot org uh particularly uh, our new women on the wing initiative if you'd like to be involved with the women on the wing initiative who wouldn't uh, want to be involved at, well, <laughs> no doubt from an individual to a corporation to um you know protect potentially a donor out there um you know, we we are very serious about engaging new audiences. Um, if you're a person of a ethnicity other than a Caucasian, <laughs> or if you're a Caucasian too, <laughs> you know, um, you know, we we're we're serious about opening up um, what we are so passionate about: habitat conservation, bird dogs, wild foods, mm-hmm. and bird hunting to new audiences. So we we invite you along. Uh, find us at pheasantsforever.org, quailforever.org, um, and you can find us all online. We're all very active on social <laughs> media as well. Um, Julia, you can find Julia uh, throughout your, your Twitter handle mm-hmm. and Instagram. I was going to say, well, yeah, if you could say Julia Shrinkler, and nobody's going to be able to spell that. Just follow Bob St. Pierre. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> people can spell that. Yes, well. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, Bob St. Pierre. It's easier to spell. <laughs> But you are very active on on, on <laughs> Twitter, and um, uh, I retweet your stuff a lot. There so we you go. Can find it. You'll retweet my uh, favorite spot. There you go. For there as you promised. Go. Julia, Marissa, Eric, thank you very much for uh, for joining me today for this podcast. It, it won't be the last time we talk about this topic. We will continue this conversation, but uh, we're all at Wild Wings of Onika for Clays for Conservation mm-hmm. event, and folks are starting to arrive which means we got some work to do followed by a little bit of fun and a little camaraderie all for a good cause another example of uh, raising some money through habitat through hunting through like-minded people um, all for conservation so thank you very much for joining on the wing podcast today and for all the listeners out there, thanks for for uh, listening today. Please go to pheasantsforever.org, quailforever.org. Become a member. Hit us up if you've got questions about becoming a new hunter because we want you. All right. We will see you down the road. It is almost time to go bird hunting.